Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dandy Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology and WatersTechnology.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, the U.S. editor of Waters Technology, Anthony Malakian. It's a big show. Big show. One year. It's been one year, 52 episodes. Obviously, this is number 53. Uh, changed a lot. Changed a lot in one year, I think. I think it's fair to say. We've improved our game, I think. I the think quality's only slightly better, but you know, it's at least, I don't know, feels like there's at least improvement here. For those of you that have been with us since the start, um, first of all, I'm sorry for you wasting- Hi, Dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hi, Mom. <laughs> hi, Sam. Um, I'm sorry for you wasting uh, 25 hours of your life, basically, on us, but uh, you know, I think hopefully you've learned a lot and you've had some fun, and uh, like I said, I think we've- Laughed a little bit, cried a little bit shook your head and be like how these guys get paid a salary (laughs) but i uh you know we've had a lot of fun doing it and we continue to evolve and uh here's to the next uh 52 episodes but it's kind of fitting on our one year anniversary that such a big news story breaks during the week and that is the announcement of the plan processor for the consolidated audit trail uh more commonly known as the cat the massive audit trail that's going to sit on the the equity side that's going to be able to to track everything and basically was put into you place. You might know it by Dan always putting up pictures of a cat every single time he writes a story. You got to put your best foot forward, right? Yeah. So you know we try not to do too many clickbaity headlines, but uh, when it comes down to it, if I can throw up a picture of if I can throw up a picture of a cute little kitten, uh, I'm going to do anything I can because we're writing about financial technology, so got to draw them in somehow. <laughs> um, but it was you know it was exciting as financial technology news can be because. Uh, kind of an upset, I think. I think a lot right. of people thought. Uh, Theses Technology, which is the the vendor arm of TradeWorks, which is a high-frequency trading firm, uh, they were they were uh, selected by the uh, the SROs over what you know it was between them, uh, FIS, who acquired SunGuard, which made the made the initial bid, and uh, Finra, which basically everyone thought was going to be the winner due to the fact that they run uh, Oats, which is essentially the predecessor to Cat. Yes. So, uh, interesting development. A lot... Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. I guess, you know, obviously, so the front runner on this, right? Because Dan's been covering this from the beginning, so he'll obviously take Literally, the Literally, this, this was my first... One of my first features he, when I got he's here. He's deputy of Southside Technology and EIC of the Cat, basically, <laughs> for us. Um, but, so... Everybody I talked to, but you would say it's a fair assessment that most everybody you talked to figured it was going to be FINRA taking this home, yes? Yeah, I think, you know, I wrote about this in my opinion piece, but when it comes to these type of regulations, usually stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. It's you see where the wind's blowing, and especially with something like this, you don't want a volatile choice. Not, and I'll get back to, I'm not speaking ill of theses, but you don't want a volatile choice. You want something conservative and easy, or at least that you would think. And FINRA would be that, right? They already run OATS. They already run the order audit trail system. It's been in place for a while. It's just going to be an easy transition to the cat. It's already all in place. Kind of, you already have your ducks in a row. Yeah. And, you know, common sense would think that that was going to be the easy choice for the SROs. But now, and this kind of gets, this is kind of a credit to the, they're not, you know, this isn't an ally. First of all, I should mention they're partnered on the bid with IBM. Yeah. You've probably heard of them. <laughs> um, the law firm Latham & Watkins, which I know nothing about law firms beyond what my girlfriend does. But uh, I looked them up, and I believe they're the most profitable law firm in the world. So probably it's doing something, right? And uh, brokerage uh, Rosenblatt Securities. 
to be honest, I, I'm not really familiar Rose with Butt. them. Actually, okay. No, uh, uh, Garrett Niener is uh, from there. So there you go. Yeah. So we got uh, the trifecta. Um, so a solid team for sure. And uh, and also Tradeworks, which is the parent company of Theses, uh, what actually built Midas, which uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, Midas, which um, is the uh, the trade surveillance um, system. Market information data analytics system. There you go. So this is not the first time they're building technology for a, a, a regulator. Um, so in that sense, it's not a shocking pick, but in the sense that you already have a system in place, you already have a team in place, it seems like that was the easy pick. That's, I think, what the shock was. Well, this was. is going to replace Oats, and so you'd figure, okay, FINRA is you know, going to definitely have the front, run it, front track on that. Um, I should say, I, I don't want to cut you off, I should say that it's not specifically written in the CAT NMS plan, the National Market System plan, that Oats will be shut down. What they say is that any duplicative systems will be... Um, that are considered redundant will be, you know, processed out and shut down. Now, obviously, Oats is number one on the yeah. pecking order, so common knowledge would say, well, that's out of here. Now, that's another question. Sorry, I'm going to let you continue in a second. That's another question that we need to consider. Thank you, Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but first, let me talk about CAT. That's another thing to consider because the duplicate reporting, how quickly, you know, and we can talk about the timeline in a second, how quickly Oats is, uh, how quickly CAT gets up and running will depend on how long Oats is run. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. The one interesting thing I was looking at, so obviously uh, Midas and the SEC loves to talk about how effective and good the Midas system has been um, for them. So that obviously played, I'm sure, a lot into it. Do you know, and sorry to throw you on the spot here, but with IBM being involved in this, because obviously machine learning is going to be a big piece of being able to make these connections to find outliers and what have you. Um, is did the Watson system that they are developing did that play into this at all? Does that help them at all, or are they just kind of more of a technical consultant on this? Do you, do you know on that end? I don't know what how what um, IBM's exact involvement in the bid is. That's something obviously now that they've been chosen that I'm going to dive into and look into. I can tell you this: one big thing because you talked about big data analytics. So I've spoke to Mike Beller, who's the CEO of TradeWorks and the managing partner um, at uh, VCs. I've spoken to him a lot, you know, since the, throughout this process. And one thing he did say, and a big point of their pitch, was that they want the analytics built right into the CAT platform. Mm -hmm. The reason being this is because a big issue with the CAT, and it's going to get brought up more and more, is around data security. And instead of, Mike's point was, instead of having you know, what is it, 13, 14 different national exchanges now, 15, whatever it is, instead of having 15 different exchanges build their own analytics, including the regulators, of how to analyze this data, why not have it already in place so that you can kind of do it all in one place and it reduces the amount of security threat. So I do know that it's it's built in, which wasn't necessarily the case, at least that's the way Mike made it seem, wasn't necessarily the case with all the bids. Now, I don't know about the three finalists specifically, but this Remember, this was 31 people bid on it. 31 bids were originally made on it. So it was built right in. So I do know that um, was made specific to IBM. That's a long way of saying, no, I don't know. No um, so what uh, happened? Because also there is another piece of this is going to be Google or it's, it's well, the so that's, repository. So, so that's uh, a piece. So, so I'm not sure if um, in terms of, yes, you're right. There is also a, um, a data repository that needs to house this massive amount of data. It's going to be the biggest uh, um, data 
database, I believe, in the financial markets, not in the world because there's, you know, military and all that crazy stuff. Um, but I am I know that FIS and uh, and FINRA, I believe, both either had Google or Amazon as kind of their partner. I'm not sure if VCs has one of them or um, IBM. I'm not sure what their involvement is. That's, yeah. again, another thing I'm going to have to look into specific to their bid. Going forward, I can tell you that uh, so two months from now, we the SROs, the exchanges, have to sync their clocks. You know, that clock sync has been a big issue, more so on the broker-dealer because of the difference between the clock sync that the broker-dealers are required to the clock sync the exchanges are required. Shouldn't be much of an issue because the SROs are pretty much up to task. The, the baseline for what they're looking for isn't that difficult where SROs are synced up. Within one year of when the plan was approved, which, remember, was back in November, so not today, one year of when the plan was approved, supposedly... SROs are supposed to start reporting data to the cat. Will that happen? That would be November 2017. No. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, then after that, uh, it, two months after that, uh, it, SROs are supposed to have enhanced surveillance. Uh, two years, so this would be November 2018, big broker-dealers are gonna, supposed to start reporting to the cat. A year after that, smaller broker-dealers are going to start reporting to the cat. We'll hold to that timeline. It has given us no indication that it can hold to any timelines, with the exception of this. This was done on time um, in terms of making the decision between when the plan was approved and when the SROs decided on someone. But uh, no, I don't think that it will be. I don't think that we'll see reporting I mean, with at the any end kind of, this of regulation. Year. It always drags on longer, you know, kind of big change like this. But, you know, we had a big talk last week about Reg AT and kind of I got and we had an argument about just get something out there. I just want something on the books. This is just good to see that they took the step forward, at least in my perspective. I'm glad we're, we're moving forward with this. It's been a lot of delays, a lot of slogs. It'll be interesting to see now what happens going forward. Okay. Um, let's well, you do mention Reg AT. We can switch this up here a little bit since you already... We switch it on the in. fly. Yeah, see, that. one year in, you see, you know what? Episode two, we would have just gone to our next topic. But because Anthony picked up on a great transition, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we switch to Reg AT. So uh, <laughs> I know we talked a lot about Reg AT last week. Uh, if you didn't catch it, you should definitely listen because Anthony and I love arguing, so we argued a lot about that. But uh, I went to Cefcon, 5, Cefcon 7. We're up to number seven now. Um, Cefcon 7 in New York yesterday. And uh, it, was, uh, it was the turning of the tides, right? So inauguration is Friday, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday. And uh, at that point, uh, Timothy Massad, the, the chairman currently of the, the CFTC, will resign at that point, which, uh, after which uh, Christopher John Carlo, currently a commissioner, will take over as acting chairman. And we all believe, everyone believes, will eventually become the full-on permanent chairman of the CFTC. Both of them spoke. Not guaranteed, but it's what we Not think. guaranteed, but that's, that's generally what the indication is. Both of them spoke uh, at CEFCON, and it was really interesting to see the, the two different perspectives of the outgoing chairman and the future acting chairman um, and kind of the changes. You know, on one hand, it's like, this is, you know. Well, one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's black and mirroring, white. Mirroring uh, what we're seeing in politics just in Ex general. Exactly. So to uh, the Reg AT point, basically to boil it down, to the bare minimum, Mossad, Reg AT's great, let's pass this, Giancarlo, mm, we need to make some changes. To Giancarlo's credit, he didn't really talk too much about Reg AT, to the extent, the only news that kind of came out of it was the fact that uh, they're extending the comment period beyond the January 24th deadline, because they want to take additional looks at it. And I guess um, some message uh, uh, credit too, he says, regardless of what you do with the source code provision, again, listen next week, we're not going to get into that, we have too much to get to today, 
But regardless of what you think of the source code provision, this is by and large a good rule. So this needs to go forward. Right. Yeah. He came down a little bit, uh, you know, uh, he came down pretty hard on the fact that, you know, on the strength of, of, but you're right. Exactly right. Basically, we need to get something on the books is what he said. We need, there needs to be some type of baseline um, thing. I will say this before we move on because we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about today. Um, it, it was funny. So Mossad makes his speech, and he kind of just briefly touches on Reg AT, basically making your point. And uh, then they open up the room to questions. And I, you know, I raise my hand, and I basically just ask him, you know, what do you realistically think? Do you think it's going to pass? Do you not think it's going to pass? Do you think a provision of it will pass? And as I kind of started my question, he knew where I was headed. Like, he just looked like a deflated man. Like, he even bent over. Like, he kind of took a step back yeah. and put his head down. And it's just like, you know, he's, you can tell he's beaten down. He's even getting it from his own fellow commissioner, like, kind of railing on it. He's getting it from across the industry. Um, it's you about know, legacy, Dan, and his <laughs> legacy. Whether you, What's going to be left? You know, whether you agree or disagree with the regulation, you, you kind of just had to feel a little bit bad for him, the amount of abuse that he's nah. been taking. But, or not. <laughs> or not. Just kidding. JK. Uh, let's switch to, so, a new thing we're kind of looking to do to kind of give more of a spotlight to our features is spread them out throughout the month instead of just giving you a, a big glob of them at the end of the month. So this week, the uh, the light was on natural language processing, a great feature Anthony looked at. Uh, we can get into, I guess, do you want to do an overview? I have a couple questions right off the bat that I wanted to, to ask you. I, mean, I guess you, just to quickly say, okay, sure. natural, so yeah, it's a, it's a very long feature. It's about 3,200, 3,300 words on natural language processing and natural language generation. Um, you know, these are basically the subset of AI or a subset of machine learning, you know, which is a subset of AI. Um, and it's something that's been around since uh, the 1950s, uh, Alan Turing, uh, the Turing test uh, to, um, to see if a machine can basically talk and, and communicate and, and act in a way that would convince you that it is a human, that, that you wouldn't know if it was a computer or an AI or a human talking to you. Um, you know, natural line processing basically underpins what you saw in the movie Her in many ways, and it underpins Great. what Walking you saw Phoenix. in the movie uh, Ex Machina, which is my favorite movie of last year and one of my probably top five, ten favorite movies of all time. Did I tell you I watched that? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. Okay. I thought it was, yeah. I, well, I'll tell you some things. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. Um... So yeah, you know, basically, natural language processing just kind of serves as a bridge between the raw and structured data and the analytics platforms, and it's you know melding of human and computer languages using AI and computational linguistics um, as analytics platforms take on greater and greater importance. NLP will also take on greater importance. But since you have some questions, I guess we well, so I guess first off, and you know, we like to always Anthony and I, you know, we understand a lot of times we're, uh, but. Uh, the lowest IQ in the room when we're interviewing some of the folks in financial <laughs> services. So we preface things by saying, this might be a stupid question, but first, this time. might be a stupid question. I know you, you know, I, I edited this and I read it. I really did enjoy the piece, but can you kind of, in layman's terms, difference between natural language processing and natural language generation? So processing is kind of the first step in many ways. And I'm sure that experts would, if you're going to talk with the companies, they're going to give you a much better detailed <laughs> reason. But this is just a very layman's term that the processing is just taking it in um, being able to recognize what either the written word is or what the spoken word is, and then being able to churn back and basically repeat out um, uh, what that is. Um, and then being able to run analytics on top of that, being able to create um, 
uh, code and stuff like that underneath that that can kind of help you to uh, alert you to certain things at a basic level. Generation is much more about uh, it going in and creating specific reports to um, to alert you to different opportunities that exist in, say, like a 10K filing or something like that. Goes through all that, so it's not just a search function like I want to see every single term related to this, and then it kind of comes out. That would be the processing end of it. Generation is going through saying, "Oh, these are uh, some interesting, you know, things that are that exist right now, and you need to look at this right now." So basically, being more, I guess, proactive, it's filtering, uh, it's taking ways. the ne- the next step for you. Yeah, I get, it, it seemed like that to me in many ways. So first, you have the processing, next comes the generation. But again, that's a very poor description of it. Um, you know, there's some better examples in the article itself. Now, just you know, reading this, and I understand a lot of this, like you mentioned, is filing stuff that's not going away. But as you know. The media changes and the medium for media changes. Mm-hmm. You get a lot more podcasts, a lot of valuable information is coming out of podcasts like yeah. this one, and a lot of information is coming off, off television you know, and radio, satellite radio. Does that work with that stuff, or is it only written Yeah, so word? like let's say, um, what is it? Uh, Narrative Science uh, has a product called Quill, and uh, I'm pretty sure that they do this, but um, where uh, um, an executive gives um, – the quarterly earnings call and they're just kind of talking through and discussing um, what's happening with uh, their product or what, what's going on with their company. Um, them and Pluribus Labs also I think is a look at this as well. Um, but uh, you're basically listening, it's, it's, it's digesting the words that are coming in, it's processing what those words are, are and then trying to create kind of sentiment based off of that mm-hmm. um and you know but yeah so that that is kind of the next level that's what's becoming more and more adept like if you look at amazon echo you know apple siri google uh, home or whatever it's called this ability to be able to listen to a voice and then understand it and then give you back a result um that's fairly accurate has greatly improved like i used to use jet dragon speech recognition for um for transcribing interviews and stuff mm-hmm. it could really only understand my language so I, I gave up on it long ago i'll bet you that that that's greatly improved nowadays and that was just three years four years ago maybe something like that that was using the dragon stuff um i'll bet you that has all improved greatly just in the last couple of years because you're able to see it with um, with some of these devices that are coming even on out your right cell now. phone now. Yeah, I don't know. You get you get a voicemail and you can yeah, read what the voicemail without even sense. listening to yeah. it. Uh, you know, with all these type of features and this type of new, I mean, new slash old, you know, but developing technology, always looking ahead. And you kind of you touched on it at the end of your your piece, talking about how um, one one of your sources, uh, Mr. Horn, uh, Intel uh, Saffron yeah. Technologies. So you talked about how you know it's kind of a surface technology. But there's not that storage. There's not that understanding, essentially, of context, right? Yeah. Use the example of a Michelle Obama speech. Talk a little bit about how maybe do you, do you know how is that continuing to be an issue, and, and are they working to improve on that, or is that kind of still a little ways away? Uh, I don't know how far away. It, it, it sounded like it was about five years or so to have deeper learning, but deep learning uh, artificial intelligence is improving greatly. So it's kind of building that into, I would guess – natural language processing um you know so yeah right now it's just it's like when you're talking to somebody 
we have so much stored knowledge. So sure. there was a great example that Bruce Horn gave that, you know, if you say Michelle Obama's speech, for example, well, we know that she just gave a big speech, you know, a week ago or something like that. And so we're going to reference right to that automatically in our own heads. Right. How do you get a machine to do that? How do you get a machine to get there to understand that some of these things that we would just naturally talk about, um, that that is referencing to a specific event, person, whatever have you, um, and then to quickly recall that and deliver that information to you. Um, all that's going to greatly improve. And the, the, I guess the advancements that you're going to see is, you know, as uh, data becomes more easily able to pull in, um, as open source, um, who is it? Um, Sandeep Kumar from uh, Managing Director at Synecron, uh, which I didn't, wasn't able to get into the story, but he was talking about a big advancement, just open source and like Google's TensorFlow, which is uh, one of its, um, uh, its machine learning, that that was uh, basically put out uh, to the public um, to full row with. As more of that happens, you'll start to see more and more advan ad advancements um, in this space. Um, but basically, the whole key is to improve the accuracy rate. And we've really seen kind of a jump in the last three years over the accuracy rate. Now, So right now, it can basically understand at a base level what you're saying, what's written here. You know, that it, it's got that. Right. Now it's kind of get that deeper uh, knowledge um, base, and that will be the kind of the next step for it going forward. Yeah. Well, let's uh, switch gears now. And uh, in the year that we've been doing this, I don't think I've ever seen you as excited to talk about a non-fintech topic mm -hmm. as you were coming in today yes. to talk about the newest three newest members, well, specifically well, one new one member, new member yeah. of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, Jeff Bagwell, long-deserved Hall of Famer. One of the greatest baseball players of all time um, got in, and it drove me insane listening to these people say, ah, steroids. Okay, what proof do you have? He took Andrew. Um, yeah, Andrew was perfectly legal back then, and when it wasn't, he stopped taking it. Uh, well, uh, I've heard rumors. I, you know, I, I know people, whis a lot of whispers, a lot of whispers. Okay, cool. That's, that's great that you have that hard-hitting evidence. Why don't you present some of this evidence that you have? Oh, you don't have any? Okay, cool. So don't loop them in with other players that were in specific reports that were you know, linked to specific labs. None of that existed for Bagwell. And my whole problem with this whole steroid Hall of Fame thing was we pick and choose. Well, yeah, uh, so where do you fall on that? Well, do you, like, do you think like, only, I think, put it great. When he said, whenever he, he tweeted, but when a Hall of Fame voter writes, says, this is a guy who did it clean, first response should be, how do you know? You know, because we don't know for sure. There's no way of knowing who did it clean. Sure. Plenty of small little guys were on roids. Plenty of big guys were on roids. I'm one of the believers that basically anybody that played during the 90s was on some form of performance-enhancing drug. Some form. You know, whether it was uppers, you know, whatever it was. Um, you know, any, any sort of different kind or all different kinds of steroids and stuff like that. Just maybe a little bit to recover here and there. You know, maybe you weren't an, an addict, you know, or something like that, but... So don't give me this whole, I believe everybody basically was a dip in here and there. And I believe that I'm right to say that more than them saying, how dare you say I was on steroids? Well, no, you were during an age and you didn't, you all were okay with the fact that everybody was doing this. So, so based on that premise, are you like, Barry Bonds definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. 100%. Roger Clemens, definitely in the Hall of Fame. 100%. They're two of the greatest players that played. Their, their stats are great. If You know, it's one of those uh, situations where... First of all, it wasn't illegal in baseball. 
you know, quite frankly. You know, right. it, it, so you don't compare him to Rose Shoeless Joe, who I also think should be in. I believe the, the Hall of Fame is a museum. It's not this sacred, oh, my God. It's like you didn't allow African-Americans to play for all these years <laughs> and everything. You know, it's like Babe Ruth didn't have to face yeah. one black guy in his whole career. Yeah. So let's calm down with the purity that's, of the damn sport. That's okay? what I was going to say. A, an entire race of people yeah. that are, you know, clearly very good at yeah. baseball. Yeah, the Hispanics, you know, <laughs> who are dominate the sport now are the yeah. best players are usually yeah. Hispanic. We're not allowed yeah, to not participate allowed to play. in baseball. But you're going to tell me about portion. the purity of <laughs> Babe Ruth and all them. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, so Interesting. Yeah, well, me, what type of purity are they talking about, huh? There was yeah, another exactly. guy that talked exactly. a lot about purity. You know, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, with, with Bagwell, consider this, because many people don't know could he play in Houston. Um, and Houston is, you know, I'm a diehard Astros fan. I've been my whole life since I was a little kid. I actually got his autograph when he was a minor leaguer. That's the funny thing. He was just being called up uh, that year. Was with the Renegades? What? Did you see him? With no, the, no, no. Uh, I went down to spring training down uh, in Kissimmee, okay, uh, okay. Florida. And uh, he happened to be – I didn't know who he was when I got the autograph. And, like, you know, you just – I'm going back looking through all the things, like, years later. I, I noticed it once he became good. But, but yeah, he's in the top 50 in home run, extra base hits, runs, RBIs, slugging, walks, OPS and OPS plus, on-base percentage, and war. Uh Best, the best OPS during the 90s was Bonds, McGuire, Frank Thomas, Jeff Bagwell, and Piazza. You say, oh, well, Bonds, McGuire, uh, definitely steroids. Okay, well, Frank Thomas, why why wasn't he steroids? Uh, Mike Piazza, why wasn't you know? We start picking and choosing who was and who wasn't on steroids. It drives me nuts. Um, so I refused to go to the Hall. I'd been to Hall of Fame many, many years ago. You're boycotting. Um, I was boycotting um, until both Biggio and Bagwell got in. Now that they're both in, I'll go see both of their plaques. Cooperstown is literally, they're cleaning the streets waiting for your arrival. waiting for Anthony Malakian to show up. And uh, I'm so just disgusted by the entire process, with the exception of, uh, who's, our, who's our great friend? Our, our best baseball writing friend. Our best baseball Oh, uh, Tim Kirchner. With the exception of Tim Kirchner, <laughs> who's the nicest man in the world, yeah, who uh, attended the Waters rankings this past summer, literally was the nicest, friendliest guy you'll yeah. ever meet. With the exception of him, I think all baseball writers are the biggest blowhards ever. The fact that there were no, what was it? It was like five years ago where nobody was, uh, yeah. nobody got in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then the New York Times did that like, you know, blank front page and yep. this big statement. It's just a bunch, like you said, the purity of the game. It's just a bunch of blowhards. It's, it's like, so I annoying. Know he was, I know he did a clean. Oh, were you following him yeah. around? You followed Derek Jeter around his whole freaking career. You saw so that, you and know. he never stuck you know, you know, a needle in never, his butt. You were there once, the whole time. You know it. Got and it's it. just the fact, the, the blatant disregard for not putting in Barry Bonds, who arguably could be the greatest baseball player in the history of the oh, game, that's was, he is the greatest was a Hall of Famer far before when he was stealing bases, hitting triples, Barry Bonds. Before mm-hmm. even, you know, his head grew five sizes and he started doing the cre- cream in the clear. He was 100% a Hall of Famer. The fact that you're keeping him out, it's just, it's just really obnoxious and really annoying. It's like, listen, I don't care. Put him in. Like I said, it's a museum. It's the same way that, you know, you show some terrible things and you say, listen, there was a time when this bad things happened. We didn't test for steroids and many, many people took advantage of it. And, you know, oh, my God, did they murder anybody? I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to move past no, this, you know? You know what? And, and this is another point. So, like, with Kurt Schilling, right? Kurt Schilling has a lot of politics that a lot of people don't like. Yeah. The dude is still a Hall of Famer. Yeah. If you want to say he's not a Hall of Famer on his numbers, I don't care. That, then there is an argument. I think he's a Hall of Famer. But don't give me this, this uh, what is it, the, the, the clause, the, um, the character Morality clause. The character, character yeah. clause. And say, 
Listen, it's because he's got some insane, stupid opinions that he puts out on Twitter. That's not a character clause thing. Trust me, there have been plenty of assholes that well, played the in the league. Yeah, like, and this is a different sport, you know. But Ray Lewis held a person down while he was stabbed to death, yeah. right? And then covered it up. The dude is still a Hall of Famer. Allegedly. He deserves allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, and, you know, maybe this makes me a bad person. If you're a bad person off the field, you know, whatever, but the Hall of Fame is about what you do on the field. I don't think you should bring in what you do off the field. And don't ever give me, what about the kids? I don't care. Learn how to raise your kid better. Yeah. Learn, Why is it kid, the Hall of Fame's Tell judge? your kid not to idolize a baseball player. Be a good parent and have them idolize you. How about that? Maybe that's my Boom. advice to you. Boom. Yeah. Truth bombs yeah. being dropped. Uh, well, we mentioned it, and I care a lot more about it than the Baseball Hall of Fame, so... NFL playoffs are going on. Yes. You have a rooting interest as your Patriots are still in it. Yes. We, and for everybody who's like, oh, you're a Patriot. I was an Astros fan for many, many years when that team was losing that's hundreds the, of the games, balance, man. It? It's, yeah, the exactly. sweet, it's the sweet and sour right yeah. there. Uh, so we didn't. We caught a, a little bit of heat because we didn't make our picks last week. Although I made my pick on Twitter, and so did Anthony, and I went 4-0. Mm-hmm. Didn't gamble on it, so didn't make any money, but I still went 4-0. Uh, we'll start. Obviously, we know AFC. Um We'll just quickly we'll, – we'll talk about that in the second half. NFC, who do you got? I think that's a, t- a very tough one. I, in, on paper, it should be Atlanta. It's that whole, do you trust Atlanta? Do you trust Matt Ryan? I'm going to go with Atlanta. They're a better all-around team. Um, Rodgers is playing absolutely out of his mind right now. Um, and he's – you know, everybody's ripping on the receivers. They did not drop one pat. Like they made some spectacular. That catch was incredible. I mean, he put he put it right where it needed to yeah, be. Yeah, right where it needed that to be. That was an incredible a wobbly catch. little ball, but again, a great throw. But yeah, and then just keep his feet in, and then the touchdown where it went, went right between uh, the guy's shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, they were catching everything. Um, did you see, by the way, on that catch? This is the catch that set up the game-winning field goal. They show in the background. You see Rogers too after he throws it. And hey, he has his feet, feet like he sets yeah. his feet together, like he's making the catch too. Uh, it's just like something a little bit cool that he's just, you know. Yeah. Well, he smiled everything like that. I can't stand him, but whatever. Um, I, I'll take Atlanta, even though they're probably going to let me down. But on paper, at home, um, let's just hope that they don't blast the music and and pump in fake oh, crowd okay, noise. Okay, okay, I don't care. Because... I don't talk about deflate. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, with that game, I will say, I believe last time I checked, I believe this the over under is sixty five. Which is insane. I would take the under. <laughs> which, when you think about it, is insane. And a play um, But uh, I just think that at the end of the day, not having a strong defense, not that the Packers have a Hall of Fame defense, but, I mean, the Falcons, it's it's their offense. They're in the Dome. Granted, their next two games would be in Domes. I just think that's going to come back to, to bite your ass. I think you need some semblance of a defense that can make a stop when you need to make a stop. Well, Packers are injured, though, in their secondary. I don't know how – I haven't read the injury report, but I know that they were banged up leaving that game. So. Right. No, yeah. I just – and I think just Rodgers, he's just – they're just – it's it's too much of a thing right now. It keeps going. I'd put my money on – I'd put my money on the Packers and Rodgers. Um, and then for the AFC, obviously, you're going – Pat. any okay. any concerns? Oh, a lot – there were, I've been saying this since like week eight. Like Pittsburgh is the one team in the AFC. Like this, the AFC was so bad this year. I mean, it was dreadfully bad. Like even Oakland didn't scare because Derek Carr was great. But you're like, you can take out Derek Carr, and then you saw when Derek Carr went away. God, that team's bad. Um, so yeah, the only team that scared me was Pittsburgh because that those weapons that they have on offense right. are just insanely good i mean bell is just playing out of his mind right now best wide receiver running back quarterback trio probably ever if you like sit down ever? and think about it 
that played at the same time together. Better than Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, and Troy Aikman? I mean, those three guys are going to be Hall of Famers. Le'Veon Bell right now is the I best agree, running back in the NFL. Would you take Le'Veon Bell over Emmett Smith? Right now? Like, right I'm now, saying. the season... I don't know. Le'Veon Bell is pretty... Pretty good. Emmitt Smith is like the greatest running back of all time. Le'Veon Bell, right? What? Le'Veon Bell is like twenty-five years old. Okay, I, I, I think it's a bold statement to make right now, um, as far as triplets are concerned, and there, there's being the best. It, they, they are going to be in the conversation, no doubt. Um, you think? I'm not ready to go there. Ben's better than Aikman? No, I think that Aikman is a better quarterback. I think Ben is a very, very good quarterback. But you've seen, like Ben's got good numbers. And stuff like that, but you know his team is—he's never put out outstanding, never been like flashy, huge numbers. And what about um, and Irving or or uh, Brown? Right now, I'm taking Irving. Brown obviously has great potential to become, you know, one of the. See, I think team. you know if I'm being honest, probably you're right. Emmett Smith Remember, is we'll probably been always a couple be times here on drugs, so we're not sure how long that. I'm All not right. sure how long that career is going to go for. Whereas that Emmett Smith had this great career. Uh, um. You're right. Probably uh, Emmitt Smith will finish. Le'Veon Bell will not surpass Emmitt Smith, but I think Brown will probably be a better wide receiver than Michael Irving, and I think I think Ben Roethlisberger is a better quarterback than Aikman. So mm-hmm. you get the two to one advantage, and that's why that trio is better. But you know, maybe it's it's a recency bias. I'm gonna take because the other thing is the Pats have owned the Steelers. Right. Uh, I mean, they've lost like I think twice since like 2000, but one of those years was a Matt Castle year. Mm-hmm. Um, Patriots have basically been able to beat them every single time in big games. Um, so that's the one thing that does give me confidence, even though that uh, Pittsburgh scares me more than Atlanta or Green Bay. You feel better or worse that they had such an awful game coming into this? Yeah, I don't – you know, it. they had plenty of those, like, where – I mean, they're going to be ready for this game. There, you, you think know. it's good, though, they got it out of their system maybe? You know, you don't want to – yeah, I don't know like that. Like, Belichick I, was on them, I'm sure, this entire week yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, they know what the mistakes were, and you just don't want to give too much away, and they didn't have to. Houston was such a you know bad team to make it that far. And then what are you? What are your thoughts on the, the Facebook Live, Antonio Brown, Gabe? I mean, it's just millennials in general, man. I mean, they're all stupid, man. Put away your damn phone. Stop being with the social media. Can't, I always yell at my niece and nephews about this. Like, we have this every year. We all get together for Cousins Weekend, everything like that. I would tell them. I'm going to try not to curse here. Uh, I was going to put away the damn phone. All right, I don't want to see my f- picture. I don't want to see no videos. I want to see nothing. This is our time. This is ours together. Can we have moments together that don't have to be shared? Don't worry. Your life is cool, man. You have a good family. Stop sharing with everybody. And that's just my crappy little family, okay? I, I agree. I understand what you're saying. I just want to say this, though. Bill Belichick pretending like he doesn't know what Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter are is the most obnoxious old guy thing to do. To call it, like, face chat or Insta-snap is just such, like, an old guy. And it's maybe... Snap face, but yeah. And maybe... Whatever, snap face. And maybe he's doing it on purpose and he's just trolling everyone because Belichick's obviously a very smart guy and likes to do that. But if he is, tr- you know, like, it's just so annoying. I just find you it so obnoxious. You haven't given us a prediction. Pittsburgh what? or New England? I said New England. Oh, did you? New England, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's... It's been Pats. It's always been Pats. I think it's going to be Pats. It is great being a Pats fan. Yeah, great being Pats. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, uh, we'd like to mention the Cellside Technology Awards for 2017 are now open for submission. So there are 28 categories. Um, there's actually 30 awards total, but two of them are voted strictly by the judging panel, which is 
Anthony, myself, John Brazier, and Victor Anderson, uh, two, two of our colleagues over in London. Uh, there are new categories, four new categories for 2017. Best Distributed Ledger Technology Project, Best Artificial Intelligence Technology, Best Use of Agile me Methodology, and Best Alliance or Partnership. So in addition to the 26 we've had in the past, we also have added those four. Make sure so. that you go, you know, what's the problem? What's the problem you're solving for? What did you do? What were the results? If all you do is copy and paste what your company does from your uh, company about page, it's not going to help your yeah, chances. We, Anthony and I actually do read these, and it's pretty easy to quickly pick up and on I the PR. I get very angry when I have to read boring <laughs> yeah. stuff. Pick up, picking up on the PR jargon is pretty easy to uh, identify, so do yourself a favor. Go in and actually give us a problem. How, like Anthony said, how it was fixed and what was the result? Because that's something that's going to draw our attention and going to get you our votes. Um, but be sure to submit those. The deadline is Monday, February 6th, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I believe that's the Monday after the Super Bowl. So get it done next week cause, or get it done in the next two weeks. Cause you're not going to want to, you know, yeah. do it that Sunday or that Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but Southside Technology Awards, the actual awards are April 5th, uh, the night of April 5th. And they're... Uh, Beforehand is the North American Trading and Architecture Summit. Anthony, you have anything else to add? Happy one-year anniversary, baby. Happy one-year anniversary, my love. <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We appreciate all your support. Uh, thanks for listening for the whole year. Let's have another fun year. Um, but thanks for listening. Be sure to tune back in next Thursday.